Hello, hello, my dear audience. I'm Peter Resnick, and welcome to the Dr. Peter Resnick's Toolbox. As always, I want to thank those who send me emails. I appreciate your feedback and will attempt to respond to some of your requests today. I want to remind those who would like to write to me and do not have my address yet. Here it is, uh, drpeterresnick at gmail.com. D-R-P-E-T-E-R-R-E-Z-N-I-K at gmail.com. And also, if you want to call me during this show um, with your comments or questions, you can do it. The number here is 888-874-4888. Again, 888-874-4888. Listen, uh, I want to tell you something, something unusual. You know, I like at the end of some of the shows uh, to read for you some poems that I find meaningful. Uh, but it usually it's at the end of the show. For some reason, from this morning, I started thinking I need to tell a story and I need to tell the story in the beginning of the show. I have no idea why I have this compulsion to do it. But I believe in my intuition. Maybe one person somewhere out there needs to hear this story. I don't know. Particularly that today, uh, I, the main subject that we'll be talking about is intuition versus doubt. So I will follow my intuition. I want to tell you a story about uh, Franz Kafka, uh, a writer of the beginning of 20th century. He was born in Czechia, but lived in Germany. You know, those of you who are interested in uh, literature of the beginning of 20th century, you probably know him by his uh, works called The Trial or Metamorphosis. So Franz Kafka never married, uh, had no children. But one day he walked, walked through a park in Berlin when he met a little girl who was crying because she had lost her favorite doll. And you know, those years, uh, people were not afraid to let their children go in the park if they already were eight, nine years old, because it was safe. So Kafka saw the little girl crying and started um, helping her to find the doll, but with no success. So Kafka told the girl uh, that probably uh, the doll left for a walk uh, and they meet, may meet tomorrow and uh, look for the doll or maybe the doll will return. Next day, when they didn't find the doll again, Kafka gave the girl a little letter. Uh, and he said that he just found the letter and it's from the doll. And the letter was saying, please don't cry. I took a trip to see the world. I will write to you about my adventures. And then became the story that continued to the end of Kafka's life. During, he was meeting the girl and bringing her uh, the letters and kind of educating her about life and inspiring her. 
and there were beautiful letters where the doll was writing and telling about all the incredible places that the doll saw. And finally, Kafka one day brought back the doll. Uh, of course, he bought the doll. And it was already after months and months of the girl receiving the letters. And the girl said, it doesn't look like my doll. But Kafka handed her another letter in which it was written, my travels have changed me. You may not recognize me, but it's me. And the girl hugged the doll and took her back to her happy home. That's the whole story. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, he was a very special. He lived only 40 years and was a special writer, quite unique, those of you who know his work. And there is this beautiful story about him extending himself to the unknown person. So that's the whole story I wanted you to, to hear. Uh, hopefully, somebody will benefit from it. Uh, um, anyway, I had this need to tell you the story. Before we go on to talking about the subject that I chose for today, I would like to give you the next assignment for our WIT project. Remember, WIT, Will Integration Training. Remember, the last assignment was the doorknob. I, ho I hope you found that exercise to be fun and you practiced it. Uh, that exercise was for the mind. Today you're getting the exercise for the body, but you remember everything is to develop the muscle of will. This is an exercise five, fifth exercise from 12. Now this week, you find four to five minutes between breakfast and lunch, and four to five minutes between lunch and dinner. And do quick physical stress busters, that I call what I call them. You can choose a few physical exercises on your own. Uh, and you can, or you can choose some exercises from what is called um, 10 minute warm up. And I have it on my YouTube channel if you go. Peter Resnick, uh, PhD, oh, on YouTube you and, and search. I have many, over 100 YouTubes, and one is called, quite recently, maybe six months ago, four months ago, I posted, called 10 Minutes Warm-Up, Physical Warm-Up or whatever. You will find it. And you extract, but it's 10 minutes. So you take some exercises that you find uh, you want to do, and do the short version of that two times a day. So altogether, you will invest eight minutes of your time. There is another possibility. You can simply email me and ask me to send you the physical stress busters, because I also have uh, a CD, an audio, Staying Healthy in a Stressful World, and one of the tracks is called Physical Stress Busters, and it's four minutes. So I will be happy to send you that short workout, and you will use it in, in between lunch and breakfast and between lunch and dinner. So again, you're practicing your will to keep your commitment. Okay, next. Now, Gustav from Denmark wrote to me two weeks ago a very kind and uh, kind of sweet uh, email 
and wrote a good question. And he gave me permission in the email to speak about this question on the show. Here's what he wrote. And that's regarding the WIT, the Will Integration Training. As you explain the WIT, you say that gain, uh, that gain and loss are motivating factors for the will of all men. I understand he means that the, what we are calling here carrot and stick. So he continues. Yet, could there not be a higher moral level, other things that motivate men's will, say like love or service, I understand, as opposed to carrot and stick, something good promising or some fear. He continues, for instance, from the Old Testament, the father of Jewish people, Abraham, prepared to sacrifice his son in faith and service to God. Moses, who led his people out of captivity toward the promised land, but did not live to see the land himself. Could it not be that man can reach a state of mind where he moves in God's love and is aligned with God's will? It's a very good question. What a beautiful, beautiful question. Of course, Gustav. Of course, it's absolutely possible. In fact, those who call themselves Christian, regardless of the denomination, believe that one of the Jewish people by the name Yeshua ben Miriam, or Jesus, son of Mary, as Greeks translated his name, gave his very life out of love. Uh, and if almost two billion people believe in this, it means it is within the scope of human consciousness to accept that such willful acts of the higher order are possible. In fact, some people run into burning buildings to save a child or even an, an animal, risking their lives. I can think of one particular person I saw in my office for weight control a while ago, a fireman. He was a captain of the firehouse. But he did not start as a captain. He was a fireman for over 20 years by the time he, I met him. He came to see me because he was overweight. And he, as he said, he was totally addicted to M&Ms, you know, those little colorful little cookies or candies, whatever they are. Now, I'm sure he risked his life on many occasions, and yet M&Ms were controlling his life. So I think many good people, when the situation would call for it, would use their will to do incredible things. But our lives do not consist of extreme challenges. Our lives consist of everyday routines. And those routines may become so dysfunctional, and particularly when reinforced by years of repetition, these routines uh, keep us in prison so that such extraordinary measures as the wit which I developed or other methods, I'm, I'm not the only person who developed tools to, to build the will, they, they must be developed to gain control. 
In fact, tonight uh, and for four consecutive Tuesdays, I will be teaching a course in the temple called Weight Control, Body Image and Relationship with Food Issues. And what do you think I will be talking about? Not about food right away. In fact, I, I intend to say to people, listen, the title weight control uh, in the first word, weight control, and then body image, and then relationship with food is just to attract people's attention. But in reality, it should be a longer title and it shouldn't start with weight control. It should start with relationship with yourself, relationship with food, body image, and then if necessary, weight control. But everything starts with relationship with yourself and within that relationship we must be capable to exercise our will and very often uh, circumstances or impulses control our lives so that's why please do your assignment this coming week uh, this assignment number five and I hope those of you who chose to travel this journey with me for 12 weeks, I hope now you kind of gained some control or feel a little bit the muscle of will is getting stronger. By the way, please feel free uh, to call anytime, whether you want to, call to, to ask a question or you want to talk about uh, your work with these assignments, with the will integration training, or you want to just make a comment. I'm absolutely welcoming any, any caller. Now, a little bit more than two years ago, Jordan Peterson wrote a very nice book, 12 Rules of Life. Uh, and, and in fact, I was trying to invite Jordan Peterson to our show. Unfortunately, I just couldn't reach him or I sent um, I sent an email to the address that I found, uh, but didn't get a reply from him. He's very, very busy, and his book is an international bestseller. But basically, these 12 rules of life, though very nice, uh, if you don't, if you want to buy a book, I own the book. It's a very good book. But I came across recently something that is so wonderful. You don't need a book, you just need to contemplate on, uh, on these statements. And that what I found is um, the, what is called ethical principles of Lakota Nation. Lakota Nation, you know, you, you probably heard it's one of the nations in um, India, Native American nations. In fact, I had a the privilege to meet uh, uh, one of the medicine men who was also a professor at Native American studies at Harvard University. His name is Howard. Uh, I used to go to Taos, New Mexico because my nephew Vlad lived there and I would visit him regularly. And Howard lived there and he was a medicine man and we did sweat lodge, which was an incredible experience. Maybe one day I will tell you because I had quite remarkable experience going through that sweat lodge. But, but today I want to tell you just about Lakota Code of Ethics. 
again, I have no idea why I want to share with you today, because today we'll be talking, as I said, about the doubt. Uh, maybe somehow unconsciously this is connected. So uh, there are statements, and if you contemplate about on, on each statement, it encompasses every aspect of life. If you make a commitment to follow those aspects, you don't need a teacher. You just need to be honest with yourself. So the first one, ethical principle, arise with the sun and pray. Pray alone. Pray often. The great spirit, of course, you can, we can put in parentheses, you can call it God, you can call it whatever you want, uh, Allah, uh, it doesn't matter, the great spirit, that which is beyond our conscious awareness, that which is a creative impulse, okay? So the great spirit will listen if you only speak. Again, rise with the sun and pray, pray alone, pray often. The great spirit will listen if you only speak. Two, be tolerant of those who are lost on their path. Ignorance, conceit, anger, jealousy, and greed stem from a lost soul. Pray that they will find guidance. Isn't it interesting? So often we get angry. Why is this person this way? Why are they acting this way? We are angry or, or we are distressed about someone being not up to our standards. And our standards can be fantastic. But we are resentful, some of us, not all of us, resentful of a person acting a certain way or being a certain way. But the truth is, if as, uh, as we follow the, the guidance of the Lakota Nation, uh, we have to look at these people as wounded people, as lost souls, and have compassion for them. Then we'll save ourselves from this, this destructive anger or resentment. Number three, search for yourself, by yourself. Do not allow others to make your path for you. It is your road and yours alone. Others may walk with you, but no one can walk this path for you. This is self-explanatory. This is your unique journey. And I think I spoke, yes, I spoke to you already in one of the talks about comparing that gives rise to jealousy. When you look at other people and compare yourself to others. Uh, and what the Lakota people say, you have to follow your own path and nobody can walk for you. But also, I, I probably am adding and expanding on this, uh, that you have to stay on your path without looking at anybody else's path. Just as much as nobody can walk your path for you, you cannot follow somebody else's path. This is your unique path. And so if you compare, you're actually getting off your own path. I think that we can take any of these statements and expand on them. 
and then it will be a whole guidance for life. The four, treat the guests in your home with much consideration. Serve them the best food, give them the best bed, and treat them with respect and honor. Okay. Number five, do not take what is not yours, whether from a person, a community, the wilderness, or from a culture. It was not earned. If it's not earned, it's not and not given, it is not yours. Number six, respect all things that are placed upon this earth, whether it be people or plant. Uh, this is some testimony of what's going on now in, you know, at least I know in, in the Western civilization and in developing countries where they're destroying nature. Uh, Lakota definitely respected and Native Americans respected the whole planet. That's, that's a lesson for us to learn and we have to learn it very soon. Honor number seven, honor people's thoughts, wishes, and words. Never interrupt another or mock them. Allow each person the right personal expression or the right to personal expression. That's oy, 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 oy. Allow each person the right to personal expression. What is happening now, the political correctness, and if you say something that is wrong, you are mocked and you are laughed at and you are abused and, and your uh, account is closed by censorship. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's an incredible statement for today. Number eight, never speak of others in a bad way. The negative energy that you put out into the universe will multiply when, return, when it returns to you. Mm, we have this expression, right? What goes around comes around. Number nine, all persons make mistakes, and all mistakes can be forgiven. Number 10, bad thoughts cause illness of the mind, body, and spirit. Practice optimism. That's very good. There was a great, great rabbi in, in Brooklyn, a big, big teacher, um, Rabbi Shnerison, who said in Yiddish, tracht git sezan git, that is, think good, it will be good. And in fact, we know that people, the research shows that people who are optimistic are much healthier than people who are pessimistic or angry. In fact, one day I will, I have actually an incredible, incredible study that confirms it by Hans Eising. That's for another day. But I will tell you that it's exactly tr so true. The Lakota people said it, you know, because of the wisdom of, of ages. And now it's confirmed by research. Number 11. Nature is not for us. It is a part of us. Interesting. Twelve, children are the seeds of our future. Plant love in their hearts and water them with wisdom and life's lessons. When they're grown, give them space to grow. If you're a parent, it's a great lesson. I'm a parent. I know what they're talking about. Number 13, avoid hurting 
the hearts of others. The poison you send out will return to you. And that's the same concept. What goes around comes around. 14. Be truthful at all times. Honesty is the test of one's will within the universe. 15. Keep yourself balanced. Your mental self, spiritual self, emotional self, and physical self all need to be strong, pure, and healthy. Work out the body to strengthen the mind. Grow rich in spirit to cure emotional ills. Interesting. You know that uh, it's so true. It's, it's such a wonderful message. Think about it. To balance your mental and spiritual self and emotional self, you have to be strong and work your body. Keep your body strong. And I find that some spiritual teachers are quite um, frail, not not taking care in, in, in many spiritual traditions. Uh, not many, but at least uh, two that I know and um, know of and Judaism. I've met many rabbis and, and been to Jewish communities, and they speak so much about spiritual aspects, but they don't emphasize the work of the body. They don't speak as much about taking care of your body, yet your body is a vehicle through which you experience your life and, and your spiritual life. Uh, so I think the emphasis is not good enough. And I have Christian friends who also are not that healthy, and I don't hear them um, from, from what I heard from them about what they do in church, that this is emphasized. In fact, I asked these questions because I know the taking care of the body is not emphasized in, in these two uh, spiritual groups as I, as that I mentioned. So, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing to, to remember. No matter how spiritual you are, if you, you have a toothache, if your liver is hurting, if your body is dysfunctional, you cannot exercise, practice your spirituality, be, be connected with God or spirit. Number 16, make conscious decisions as to who you will be and how you will react. Be responsible for your own actions. Isn't that interesting? These are the things that I am trying to teach you. Remember, the doorknob pause before acting. That's what it was. I thought I'm so smart. Huh? So, no, they were talking about it thousands of years ago. You have to learn to pause before action, tame your impulse to action. Make conscious decisions rather than just reacting. 17, respect the privacy and personal space of others. Do not touch the property, personal property of others, especially sacred and religious objects. Uh, they shall not steal, it's called uh, Eighth Commandment. 18, be true to yourself first. You cannot nurture and help others if you cannot nurture and help yourself first. 19, respect others' religious beliefs. Do not force their, your beliefs on others. And finally, 20, share your good fortune with others. These are the 20 principles of Lakota Nation I wanted to share with you. I hope you 
listen and you appreciate them. And again, if you want, uh, you probably can find them on internet, or if you want me to send them to you, you can email me and I will gladly send it to you. Now we're coming finally to the, wow, it's 30 minutes past. So we're coming to the second part of our talk then, or the main subject that I wanted to share with you, and that is living in doubt versus living with, through your intuition. Excuse me, I'll sip my tea. Yes, ginger tea with lemon and honey. Doubt. Doubt is the opposite of certainty. Doubt literally means to be torn in two. You know, in French, in French the uh, do, the, the word doubt comes from the do, do, uh, French do, two. It's being split in two. So often we find ourselves being of two minds. If I do this, so and so will happen. If I do that, this and this will happen. What do I do? We are confronted with choices on a daily basis, small choices that make us pause for a minute or two, and big choices that sometimes grow bigger, you know, this doubt uh, it takes over and, and paralyzes us with indecision. We don't know what to do. When needed to make a choice, that bears serious consequences. Some people go through tremendous anxiety. We, frankly, sometimes I get calls from people, people that I see, you know, on a regular basis, or sometimes that I, I didn't see someone for a while, and they suddenly call, to, uh, call and they say, I'm so anxious, I don't know what to do. So I talk to them about this, about doubt, and how to, but if they have a very serious issue to, I have actually an exercise called decision-making. Uh, if we have time, maybe I will teach you this exercise. If you already did not get your intuitive impulse of what is right, so there is an exercise. But, the, but making decisions produces so, so much anxiety, loss of appetite, sleep disturbances, and loss of focus. People stop thinking logically. But logic is precisely what is needed to see the right options. But anxiety takes away logic. Like you probably, some of you who experienced anxiety, it's like oh, your vision, physical vision and mental vision is blurry. Some people are crippled by doubt when they're inspired by some good idea. A good idea is fantastic, but then can it work? Maybe someone already did it. What if it's all a waste of time? Often these kinds of thoughts become overwhelming. The person gives up on an idea, only to find out later that someone else carried it out. What they, what he or she conceived and never acted upon. Why? or maybe somebody already did it, and they didn't even do research to see whether or not it's being done. Another way doubt may creep into your consciousness is after you have made the decision, did I do the right thing? What if I made the wrong choice? Maybe I rushed too fast with my decision. 
the what ifs, the maybes, take away our joy and excitement about life, paralyze our creativity and turn our attention toward the past. Why? If we already did something, this is it. The right thing, you action, action. The, uh, last week I, I uh, interviewed Gary Nall, right? If those of you who heard the interview I probably will recognize what I'm about to say. When when I ask him what is what what is your guidance? What is the the right way to live? Like if you would leave some kind of legacy, some guidance. Uh, and he said, I I don't believe in in thinking, spending time, writing about it, how to live. I believe in action. You take action. You don't waste your time on doubt, basically. And that is you take action following the, the idea that came to you, and then you may discover that it's not the best. You, you, we're not talking about major decisions, but I will, if you act, it will be reversible. But most of the time, we're not confronted with such major decisions. You have an impulse, go and try it out, and you may find that it produces results that you like, or you may find that you don't like the results. So then you make the next choice and you change it to better. And it's not what you want. You make the next choice. You move. The energy is not stagnating. But sitting in doubt, you stagnate. Your energy stagnates. There is no value in living in doubt. And there is a way to live without doubt. We all possess this in, inborn mechanism that can eliminate doubt from our lives. We constantly use this mechanism in earlier part of human history. Today, members of tribal societies rely upon it when they make uh, big decisions in their lives. Uh, I'm talking about Bushmen, uh, nature-oriented society, societies that live still in nature. I'm talking about people of Tarahumara in, in Andes, uh, in, in South America. Um, most renowned people of Western civilization claim that this mechanism uh, that I'm talking about is precisely the source of their continuous creativity. This thing that I'm talking about is known by many different names and different cultures. Some people call it intuition, others call it gut feeling, and yet others call it the sixth sense, the first voice, or messages from the higher self. Regardless of the name, it is there, it is real, and it has always been with us, always available. In fact, it comes before the chatter of doubtful thoughts begins. It comes as a faint but unambiguous voice within us telling us exactly how to act. Perhaps you have experienced a connection with your, let's call it, first voice. Dr. Gerald Epstein coined this term, the first voice. 
And when you followed your first voice without question, you were what they, many people call it, in the flow. Things were almost magically working out. Everything was at the tip of your fingers. Ideas were coming freely one after another. You were saying the right thing at the right time and knowing what to do exactly at the right time and when to do it. Uh, if you did have such an experience, take a moment and think about it. You may discover that during that flow, not much thinking was done on your part. It was more like receiving. Indeed, you were receiving messages from your first voice, which 100% of the time gives you 100% correct information on how to proceed in your life, on what choices to make. It always does. But the many voices of doubt have made it nearly impossible for us to hear the first voice. The good news is there is hope. We can gain the skill of hearing the first voice and, and listening to the message. You just need to practice. The first voice, I tell you what it is. It is this immediate, clear flash of inner guidance. There are two distinct characteristics that can enable us to discern the first voice from all others. You may want to write down these characteristics if you have pen and paper or, you know, on the device. But these are very important characteristics to remember. One is the first voice always speaks in the present moment without references to the past or future. It speaks right away. The moment you have an encounter or an idea or an experience, it's always short and explicit. A thought flashes through your mind like, yes or no, it's right or it's wrong. It's not only about positive, like do it, don't do it. It's a good project. Don't do this, don't get involved. It's right for me or be careful. The other characteristic, so remember it's a first initial impulse. The other characteristic is that the first voice is not only a mental message, but it's also a physical experience. That's why many people call it a gut feeling. You meet someone and suddenly you feel tightening in your stomach. Pay attention. Your stomach never lies. Or you're talking with a friend or simply thinking about something and an idea flashes through your mind. As it does, you take a deep breath, your chest expands, be aware. Your intuition is telling you that you're on something very important. Uh, <laughs> you know, I had the experience actually. I shared with a woman uh, this idea of the first voice. And then uh, after a while, she comes and tells me, 
Uh, your, your thing with the first voice doesn't work. I'm so disappointed, you know. I said, tell me the story. And she said, well, you know, I was at the gathering and uh, I walk into this big room and I see this incredible handsome man and I go, God, I'm in trouble. But he's so, so cute. And I walked right toward him. And we spent time to the time, we had a date, and I discovered he's such not such not a nice person. He he was disrespected at that option. Anyway, she said some negative things about him. But notice what, what the words were. I'm in trouble. And then she said, Oh, but he's so cute. But which means that's the second voice. The first thought, I'm in trouble. If you're in trouble, stay away from trouble. <laughs> But no, but, and that's called the second voice. That's the voice of the debater. Remember, uh, maybe four or five months ago, I spoke to you about the debater. I spoke to you about the second voice. That's the voice of doubt. That's the voice of negativity. That's the voice that tries to lure us away from the first voice, from truth. It's interesting that I spoke to you. Um, yes, remember I, I encouraged you to read, and if you're interested to read it, I will remind you on my website, if you go on drpeterresnick.com, on the articles, you will find one of the articles called Beating the Unbeatable. I talk there about this debater inside of us, and that's always the second voice. It's interesting that I spoke to you about the second voice before I, speak, I spoke about the first voice. First voice was only now, five months after I spoke about the second voice. But probably it's good for you to familiarize or re-familiarize yourself um, with, with that article because you, then it will make it even clearer for you what is the second voice, what is the first voice, and you want to stick to your voice to the first voice. Now, in order to trust our first voice and follow it without hesitation, which I believe would save us much time and aggravation, we need to develop a relationship with our first voice. That is, we need to prove to ourselves that it actually works and that the first voice is the best guide for living our lives confidently and clearly. So gain trust in your first voice by allowing the first voice to guide you in taking small challenges at first, and then work your way toward addressing more difficult issues. So here is your assignment. If you want to try, again, like with everything, remember, I'm, I'm a toolbox. So it's a tool. You try it out, try it out for a week and see if, if, if it works, okay? Uh, your assignment, if you're interested in, in connecting with your first voice. Uh, so it has several parts, the assignment. So please listen carefully. For the first two days, set an intention to follow your first impulse in doing something ordinary. Let's say one day it is about clothes you choose to wear. 
another day you may choose uh, to focus on what you eat or which friend you call. On the third day, write down any idea that comes to you about creating something new in your work, home or family life. The fourth day, try to notice sensations in your body when meeting new people. Because remember, with, with time, if you are practicing, you will notice that you're actually developing this ability to be connected. Because remember, it's always two, always two things that you want to pay attention to. One, that it's the very first impulse. And two, uh, is that, that it's a physical event in your body. So uh, then think about that. maybe fifth day, sixth day, seventh day experiment with following your first voice and making small decisions concerning uh, your professional life. Don't start with big decisions <laughs> right away because, you know, you're not familiar, you're not confident yet, and you may, may, uh, may make a mistake and, and uh, follow not the first voice but the second. Before you start making decisions and following the first voice on the professional level so you wouldn't be fired, uh, I would suggest you, you practice with the first voice and you read uh, again the essay beating the unbeatable uh, to see the difference between the first voice and the second. Uh, I suggest that you record in your notebook the results of listening to your first voice. I'm confident that, that your experience will be quite profound. But you have to be committed. You have to uh, to uh, how to say uh, not skip days. Uh, my my colonel in military used to say, free cheese is only in a mouse trap. So if you want it to be easy and free, you know, you do it here and there, and then uh, it's okay. I've, I've done my work. No, 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 no. You will make a mistake. You will be disappointed. And, and you will say, ah, it's not working. When you practice, you may find that at the instant you decide to follow your first voice, your habitual mind will interfere that's the second voice, by offering you many other options. And it's all right. As soon as other thoughts or images come, imagine placing them into a bubble, like a cartoon bubble, you know, and then bursting the bubble with a pin. Do not start thinking about the content of the bubble. Boom, it's gone. It's unimportant. Uh, just move on. Another doubting thought, another bubble. Burst it again. Remember, you want to stick to this commitment of living in the moment and following your first voice. Remember, you want to live, live, L-I-V-E, the message of the first voice, rather than spend time thinking about other options. And that is all about about doubt. Uh, I, I'm waiting for somebody to call. Uh, maybe you're in doubt about calling. <laughs> uh, 
but I nobody called with questions, so I hope it's not because you don't care, but because everything is clear and you don't want to interrupt. But please do interrupt me. I uh, Frankly, my, my hope is still that you begin to call with your night dreams. I actually thought I, I spoke about the night dreams a while ago now, maybe six months ago. I had two or even three talks on night dreams. And I think it's so, so important. Think about it like if you if you could have the best advisor, let's call it a therapist slash consultant. Imagine having one every morning available at your disposal and all free of charge. That's that's what your night dreams are. Remember the, the wicked queen in, the, in a dream, in a, in a uh, fairy tale, a mirror, mirror on the wall, who is the fairest of them all? So all the dream uh, of fairy tales are a reflection of our collective psyche. So what is the mirror that we look in every morning when we wake up? It's our dreams. The dreams reflect to us, us. So we have an opportunity to look into those dreams. So uh, read the article, my article on dreams on, um, on my website, again, under articles called Dream Work. Make notes uh, on your night dreams. And again, if you're not clear, because it's not so simple, uh, just you know, to read the article and become a master of understanding of dreams, you're welcome to call with your night dream. It's, it's such an incredible source of, uh, of interact for interaction for us working together. Please feel free to call me, even if I talk about some other subject. Next week, I will be interviewing a, a remarkable physician, Dr. Robert Yoho. Sounds like Japanese name, Yoho, but really it's German name. It's like a shortened name, some probably like from Johannes or so whatever it is. But uh, he's quite a remarkable physician. He wrote a very interesting book uh, called Butchered by Healthcare. Um, and he is a physician. So I spent yesterday an hour talking to with him. I finally reached him. I heard him being interviewed, actually. Uh, and and so then I looked up uh, for him uh, on the internet. I ordered his book and I found it incredibly informative. So and I was hoping that I could invite him and I read him, reached him and he was so gracious. It was a wonderful, wonderful conversation. So a week from now, we'll, we'll have him uh, but for now, I didn't forget about something, I promise you. And that is, what if you don't, didn't catch the first voice, you were not aware of what your first impulse was, and you really need to make a decision between the two things. If you have a decision to make, do I do this or do this? So here is an exercise called decision making. If you want to participate, close your eyes. Not if you're driving a car, please. Close your eyes and say to yourself mentally, I'm doing this exercise with the intention 
to make a decision. And think or imagine a golden scale. You know, like old times, they had these scales, one plate on one side, one on the other side. And imagine two standard sheets of paper and a golden pen. Take one sheet of paper in your mind and on it, write down, very important to follow instruction, write down only good things about making one of the choices. Take your time. and put the paper down once you finished. Now take the other sheet of paper and on it, write only good things about making the other choice. But remember, only good, only positive about making the other choice. Take your time. Put the paper down. And now, knowing, take, lift both papers, one in one hand, one in the other, look at the scale, and know that the one that weighs heavier, the one that outweighs, is your right answer. Don't think, just imagine placing the papers on the opposite side of the scale and see in your mind which one goes down. Know that this is your choice. Uh, some people report, then open your eyes. Some people report, oh, I saw it first tilt down and then it went boom, 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 back and forth. No, 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 no. That's the doubt coming in. Think of which one went down first. That was your first voice. So. Uh, if you did not do the exercise and if you would like the exercise, I actually have it. Um, I recorded it as part of my uh, program, Staying Healthy in a Stressful World. It's one of the trucks. So I will gladly just send to you this exercise, decision-making. If you need the exercise and you don't remember uh, you don't remember how to do it, um, uh, email me and I will, I will send you. It's a very short exercise. I think it takes two, three minutes. So uh, I will email it to you. And that brings us to conclusion of our hour today. We have only two minutes left. So I want to thank you all very much for participating with me on this journey today. Uh, and I'm looking forward to hearing from you. I love your feedback. And please, if you would like to, next week we'll have an interview. But the following week, again, I will talk about something else. So you, But even during the interview, you can always call and ask questions. I'm really looking forward to hearing from you. Okay, time came to, to an end today. Thank you very much. All I hope to have your attention next Tuesday. Peace to all.
who want to live in peace.